Well, this morning we are continuing a series we began last Sunday. If you were unable to be with us, you might want to grab a hold of the CD in the back. It was a, a, just a, a wonderful opportunity. We'll talk a little bit about that, just refresh a little bit of what we covered last week because many of you with the snow were unable to, to be with us. But you can always listen online on the website. Just uh, pull down the uh, MP3 file of that, or you can pick up a CD, as I said, in the sermon notes in the back. The sermon notes are also always posted up online. So just if you need that refresher and you want to kind of rehear what the Lord is speaking, that can be helpful. Um, the series that we're going through is called Apostello, which means sent. Uh, in January, we did a series of messages uh, entitled Kaleo, which means called. And uh, now we're doing the sort of the follow-up to that. We've been called for the purpose of being sent. Uh, Luke 9, 1 and 2 are our foundational scripture for the series. And he called the 12 together, gave them authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. So last week, we looked at this whole issue of what it means to become a missional people. Again, if you look, you know, every time you type missional in on your computer, it will put up a little flag, you know, to underline it in red saying, it's not a real word, okay? Or at least it's not a word that the computer recognizes, but it is a real word because it's a word that speaks of understanding that we, to, to live as believers in Christ means that we're going to live being sent. To be missional means to be sent. And so it's really a simple word to remind us of what we all have been called together to be. We've been called to be a missional, a sent people. As the Father has sent me, Jesus said to the disciples, I'm sending you. And remember again the context for that. The context for Jesus saying that, as it's recorded for us in John 20, is the night of Jesus' resurrection the disciples are gathered together. They're locked in a room for fear of the Jews. They're, they're trembling in their boots. Jesus walks into the room through the locked door, through the wall, however he got in. But he walked in, and he said, Peace be with you. And then he said, As the Father, and they showed him the hands and his side, and they were overjoyed. And he says, As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And then again he says, Then he says, peace be with you again, and then he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And my sense is that in this series and in this time, I'm feeling it in my own spirit, people. I feel the Lord breathing on us afresh as a people. Because if you try to do this outside of God, if you go sent in your own strength, anybody done that, tried that, been there, done that? I got the scars to prove it. But when we receive the breath of the Spirit, He's the one who energizes our sending. The foundation of a missional life is the decision to offer to God our plans in exchange for His plans. It's to allow the truth about who God is and what He has done and our new identity in Jesus as, his, as a child, as a follower, as a friend of God to inform all of life. It requires that we are willing to leave our world so that He can... Send us to extend his kingdom. 
whether we choose to engage this call is up to us. And that's taken out of the tangible kingdom primer, which is the book that we're utilizing in our Mosaic missional communities, as well as even if you're not in a Mosaic missional community, maybe you're in a connect group, maybe you're just on a life path, um, one, one of those things, but or just you're a part of the body and want to kind of walk through this with us together, I would encourage you. There are still copies available in the back. Pick those up. The suggested donation is $13, and work through it. Annette and I are finding it very helpful as we're working through it together, asking one another questions, uh, the, the questions that are here, and kind of really taking this and going deeper than just what I can do on a Sunday morning. In addition, there's a wonderful book called The Tangible Kingdom, Creating Incarnational Community. Again, for a $15 suggested donation. That's in the back. Uh, many folks have found this kind of provides the, the background and backdrop to the primer and encourage you to go ahead and get that and journey with us in this calling that God has on us in this season. Now, we, we learned last week that missional people experience four immersions. The first immersion we're going to experience is in a new culture. Missional living requires that we cross our fences, we cross our streets, we cross social, political, economic, ethnic barriers. We go, as we just read uh, from Ephesians 2.14, Jesus has broke down these dividing walls of hostility, but we humanly sometimes re-erect those walls, don't we? But if we're going to be a missional people, we're going to have to step out. It requires us to cross over. It also requires us to live in community. It's not intended to happen in isolation, but rather in community with other Christ followers and friends. To be a believer in Christ means to be a part of his family. It means to be a part of his community. To live missionally is not you going alone with your uh, you know, your fishing rod to, to, to cast your little line out into the lake to try to catch a fish. It is for us together as a net coming and bound together in loving kindness and cords of grace and his goodness. We together go out to live missionally. So it's not something you do alone. I'm going to be missional all by myself. That would be an oxymoron, right? It doesn't work. Immersion three, immersion three is in God. We just read this. I shared with you and reminded you. Missioning, missional living flows out of a vital relationship with the living God. Don't try to do it on your own. Don't try to do it on your own. It simply won't work. I love in one of my favorite scriptures is uh, found in, um, in, in Colossians where uh, Paul writes at the end of Colossians 1. He says, We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. Now I take that to heart. There's a job description for a pastor to present everyone perfect in Christ. I don't know about you, but I put that on the top of my job description, I say, yikes. To this end, I labor, struggling with all his energy, which works so powerfully in me. I can't do it. 
but his work through us. Together, we live this out. Finally, there's an immersion intention. To live missionally is going to, by definition, mean that you will inevitably create both internal and external tension. That tension is necessary and can be both positive and productive. This is an area Annette and I have been talking about a lot as we've even begun this journey together and talking through the questions that we've been talking through. We've been talking through the tension. The tension of being in, but not of the world. The tension of being immersed in kingdom culture, but also being immersed in really earthly culture. And sometimes it gets messy, both internally and externally. There's sometimes where my stomach's in knots because it's like, I don't know how to navigate through this. That's why it's really helpful to have other people who are walking through so that you can grow and learn and ask questions and discover together. The longer I've lived, the more I've learned that wisdom isn't only about having all the right answers. It's actually about asking the right questions. So I'm learning to ask the right questions. How about you? But it's tension. Sometimes it feels... All right. So this morning, we're going to build on this, and this is week two in the primer, is talking about becoming an incarnational people. Now, there's a big theological word, which simply and specifically means to embody in the flesh. When Jesus, the incarnation, when we talk about the incarnation of Jesus, he came and embodied in the flesh for us, God himself. As it says in John 1.14, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. Jesus, if we want to know what the father is like, Jesus says, look at me. His I and the Father are one. He embodied incarnationally the Father. Now, in a way we reflect that, we become an incarnational people. Listen clearly. The incarnation of Jesus was a unique event. People don't look at us and see God in the way that they looked at Jesus and saw God. Because he's the exact representation. We're far from that. But together, we are the body of Christ. So we do represent or represent God to the world. And that's what incarnational is all about. Again, from the tangible kingdom primer, incarnation speaks to our posture, our timing, how much of our time we give people before we ever share biblical truths with them. But incarnation also speaks to where the most important times of ministry will take place. To be incarnational, therefore, means that we must begin where Jesus began with us, out there with people and along the way. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Incarnational people live their life out as kingdom citizens in the context of the world 
that we spend our time in between noon on Sunday and 10 o'clock the next Sunday. That's where church is. This is not only where church is, okay? This is the ecclesia. We are gathered, but we're gathered to be sent back out into your workplace, into your school, into your neighborhood, into your home, into all of the other places and the ways and just the, the dailiness of life. So how do we do that? What does it look like to become that incarnational people? This is what Peter was getting at with the people who were experiencing incredible pressure and persecution, we've come to this scripture many times. I'm going to bring it to you again from the New Living Translation this time. But you are not like that. You're a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. So my question for us this morning is this. How are we to live among our neighbors? Because that's where incarnation is at. It's among our neighbors. How do you live among your neighbors? Okay, is this a worthwhile question to ask? I think so. If missional has to do with why we go, incarnational has to do with how we go. The missional is the sent part. I'm sending you. The incarnational part is, how am I being sent? Well, I got some thoughts for you to consider this morning. And for your sermon-taking pleasure, they all begin with I. For incarnation. This is the way my mind works. For 23 years here, you figured that out. This is how it works. Don't ask me why it works this way, but it does. The first is to identify. Paul says these words. It's very interesting in 1 Corinthians 9. He says, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone. To win as many as possible. To the Jews, I become like a Jew. To win the Jews, to those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I'm not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. Did you follow that sentence? Okay. To the weak, I became weak. To win the weak, I become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I might share 
in its blessing. Paul demonstrates for us this concept of identification. You see, incarnational people break down walls between us and them. I think a lot of us just, I mean, probably from the time we're very young, we begin compartmentalizing things and we begin categorizing things and we begin to put things in boxes because it gives us some sense of control and, and, and just a way of sort of defining, uh, you know. And so, so we do that naturally. And there's nothing wrong with discovering who someone is and, and, and maybe having some reference points that you're, that you're working with. But, but where it becomes a problem is when it becomes an opportunity for us to build a wall. So we need to be careful, even in our language, or even how we understand language. People who are not yet in relationship with Christ, the Bible says that they are lost. Now for us, sometimes lostness sounds pejorative. They're lost. Lost means simply being out of place. Their place is as a child of God. That's their true place. That's the true call upon every human soul, is to be a child of God. They're lost because they don't know yet where they belong. So we invite people and call them into that belonging. Anna Haugen did a great job last week. Thank you, Anna, for sharing testimony. Get that on the tape, on the, uh, on the CD, on the uh, website. Uh, just brought a real exclamation point to what we shared with last week about this whole thing about belonging. A lot of times we want people to behave before we'll let them belong. But not everybody behaves <laughs> like you. Aren't you glad that God didn't require you to behave before he brought you in? <laughs> he loved you. And as you belonged to him and began to believe in him, the behaving comes. It's okay. Relax. It's part of the tension point for us sometimes. But in touch. In touch. How do I live among my neighbors? In touch with when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And here's what I, here's what I, this is what the Lord dropped in. I mean, you know, you know this scripture. You, you probably know most, all of these scriptures. Many of you do. But here's what was interesting to me. Send out the workers into his harvest field. Not helicoptering above. And I don't even think the picture because of the timing of when this was, you know, wasn't sitting up on some big, huge John Deere rig. 
but it was into the harvest field. Like touching the grains. Feeling the pokes and the prods and the scratching. You ever walk through a wheat field? You know, you get the scratch, all that. Feeling, being in touch. And I think that's what Jesus was getting at when he said he had compassion on them. Compassion means literally to suffer alongside of or with. Are we suffering with our neighbors? Sometimes the person, you ever, you know, I've had this experience. You've had this experience too. You just happen to be the person, some poor soul, who's doing their job or doing whatever, and you were the unknowing, unwitting person who got all of the frustration of everything that's been building in their life for the last whatever, and what are you going to do with that? The Bible says a gentle word turns away wrath. Maybe they just need somebody to remind them that they're loved. That that frustration is just coming out of pain. Incarnational people are sent out in compassion and mercy. I mean, it happens to us. Brenda was gracious enough to kind of make herself vulnerable this morning. You're loved, Brenda. (laughs) You are. And even if that short fuse, you know? I mean, we all have those. Well, if you're feeling that and I feel that, most of the rest of you are maybe more spiritual than Brenda and I, but some of you actually feel short fuses sometimes too. How about the person who is out of place? Doesn't have the spirituality within them. They just need a touch. People need a touch. Our leaders in training apprentices this Thursday, we did, it's so much fun. Can you turn on the air for just a second? Um, so Thursday, we did an out. We wanted to go out and do something. M- many of you know Stephanie Schwartz. Comes periodically when she can, down in front in her chair. She's awesome. And she's an amazing evangelist. So she lives in a, a, um, a, a nursing care facility because of her disabilities and so this is people of all ages. It's not just senior folks. It's not exactly a nursing home. It's a nursing care facility. And so we went and um, we, we prayed together here, and then we made homemade valentines. And I went out and got six dozen roses, and we went up to the nursing care facility, and we handed out a rose and valentine to every resident most of the workers who were there and just prayed with people and just touched them because a lot of these folks don't ever have anybody who just comes up and touches them you gotta be in touch you gotta just share that love and there was wonderful divine appointments that flow out Invest. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, 
but our lives as well. Here's a critical point, people. I've been telling you this, and I'm going to remind you this is my own story, but I think we all kind of walk into that story. Several years ago, a couple years ago, the Lord spoke to me and said, you will no longer view people as either targets or tools because they are treasure. If people are targets or tools, you don't have to invest your life in them. But if they're treasures, you will naturally invest your life in them. Because you're going to care for them as a nursing mother cares for her children. You ever seen a nursing mother care for her child? She cares for it. She's investing. She's giving of herself, sometimes to her own detriment or her own physical, you know, whatever. Incarnational people share not only the truth, but their lives with others. Yes, they share the truth. We'll get to that in a moment. But they share their lives. They're investing. Are you investing in the people around you? Are you investing in your coworker? Are you investing in your neighbors? Are you investing in your schoolmates? Are you investing in their lives? Number four, for those of you keeping score here, interruptions. We're now halfway there. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. So they were heading to a church service. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money, and Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I don't have. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Here's what happens. Incarnational people, I'll read it to you, welcome interruptions as opportunities to advance the kingdom. They welcome interruptions as opportunities to advance the kingdom. They welcome interruptions as opportunities to advance the kingdom. I have discovered in all of my years of ministry that most of my ministry happens in the context of interruptions. You know, that's where it happens. It happens in the interruptions. That's where God shows up and wants to do his thing. So for you and for me, how are we, what are we doing with that? Are we welcoming those interruptions? A few weeks ago, we had a very important leadership gathering. And one of our ministry coordinators, who I didn't have a chance to talk to before service, to, didn't even think about it until now, to use as a story. So I won't mention their name. But one of our ministry coordinators came in like at the very close, I mean, we were just about to say the closing prayer and the meeting, you know, we were just about done with the importance meeting that we were in when they walked in. They apologized and I said, and they said, you know, it just was a, you know, whatever morning and I'm kind of embarrassed even, whatever, and I said, you know, because I'm friends with our leaders and I just said, so, well, tell, tell me, you know, afterwards, tell me, 
tell me what was going on. Was there some kind of crisis that happened? They said, no. I was on my way here, and I passed a homeless man. And as I drove, kept driving, I just began to weep. And the Lord spoke to me very clearly that I was go, should go. And I don't, this is not something I normally do, but I'm supposed to go and just minister to this man. So I took them out to breakfast. We spent a couple of hours just listening, talking, blessing, praying. I'm like, that's okay. You have, you have assigned permission to miss the important meeting be Jesus to somebody tonight. Okay? In part, two more. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Incarnational people live with integrity and speak the truth in love. There comes a point when impartation happens. When you have the opportunity to speak, you speak. We do speak. We do give witness to the hope that we have. This incarnational thing is not only about just living so good that somehow people will kind of by osmosis go, ooh, ah. There, there has to be, there is a verbal component to this. How will they believe unless they have heard? There has to be a hearing, but we earn the hearing through the integrity of our lives And we answer questions that get asked of us. We don't simply answer questions that they're not asking. (laughs) Does this make sense? That was one of those, that was almost a Pauline sentence there, all right? So we live with integrity, and there's a hope that we have that people begin to say, there's something, there's something going on here that's different. Finally, influence. Influence. Dear friends, I urge you, we're back to full circle now, 1 Peter 2. As foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which wage against your soul, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Incarnational people transform both individuals and society as they embody kingdom culture. This has been the case down through church history. It was the church in Rome. I mean, one of the ways that, you know, remember, I think Pastor Sam talked about this one Sunday when he was preaching, um, talked about how they would throw babies off the bridge because the infanticide was was a huge deal in Rome. I mean, babies were being killed all the time. They'd throw them into the river and the Christians would be down at the riverbank with nets and they would take those babies and they'd take them in and they would care for them and they would love them as their own. 
When the plagues happened, it was the Christians. That's where hospitals come from. It's believers, Christians, who instead of running away from the plague, ran into it to care for and to love those who are suffering and dying. That's the church. Influencing and transforming, seeing individuals then, and even society itself transform. So the church needs to be on the front edge of those issues related to injustice. Related to the brokenness and the horrors that we see in the world today. All right. So becoming an incarnational people, what now? Here's some quick action items for you to consider. Very simple. First of all, pray. Ask the Lord to help you represent him to those in your unique context. Ask him for those opportunities to represent him. Reflect. What is your posture towards people around you? Where might you need an attitude adjustment? Where might I need an attitude adjustment? And allow him to do that adjustment. Connect. Are you growing and going together with others? Get on the pathway to life and joy. Get on a life path. Come to the Philippians class tonight, the the life of joy. Get into a, a connect group of some of our former life groups, connect groups or other ways to connect with others. The Mosaic Missional Communities, there's one that meets Wednesday, one that meets Thursday, one that meets Friday here in St. Paul, a couple in Minneapolis. Connect in. Get connected with others so that you can live this out together. More than only here on Sunday morning. And look for divine interruptions and opportunities this week. All right. Look for those divine interruptions and opportunities this week. Lord, where are you going to be at this week? Come on up, worship team. We're going to close. There's a, um, a great prayer from the church, ancient prayer. Francis, Lord, make us instruments of your peace. We're going to pray this prayer together in song as we close this morning. And again, my sense is to do something more corporate in our response. I'm not going to have you circle the walls like I did last time, but if you could stand and if you could take the hand of the person next to you, please. You may or may not know them. It's okay. It's a safe place to take a hand of a person next to you. Because this is Lord, make us instruments. It's not just make me an instrument. But this is a corporate prayer for Bethel Christian Fellowship as we seek to become an incarnational people together. Let's make this our prayer this morning. Lord, I just want to ask you, as I stand before you on behalf of this congregation, your people gathered in this house, in this place, this day, that you would hear our prayer, that we truly would be instruments of your peace. Lord Jesus, that we would be an incarnational people that would represent you well to the culture around us. And Lord, give them, give to us 
a deeper understanding of what it means to live as kingdom people in a kingdom culture. Give us divine interruptions and opportunities this week to represent you. Send us forth with that awareness in our heart that you're going to do that, God, because you're faithful. And now I pray that you might be filled afresh this day with the immeasurable love of God the Father, with the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son, with the inexhaustible strength, power, comfort, and hope of the Holy Spirit. Be with you and yours as you go from this house to yours, sent to make disciples of all nations. Until we gather again, either in this house or in our eternal home, I pray that the banner of His favor would be over your life and that His goodness and mercy will chase you down each and every day. For His glory, I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.